Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Are there really aliens among us? What do we mean by alien? If they're here, could we even understand their agenda? Welcome to Behind the Paranormal, our 864th edition of the show, and today we bring you a guest who uh, was with us only two months ago, and we didn't have a chance to finish our fascinating conversation, and now we have the chance to actually finish it. <laughs> that we're we without start a, to finish it. Without, right? without a six-month intermission. And so we welcome your calls today. The number is 401-766-1240. That is from anywhere. And uh, you can email us at paul at behindtheparanormal.com. You can contact us via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram for those who are not vocally inclined. Coming to us via Skype today is Nadine Lalich, who began UFO studies in 2004 to investigate her own traumatic abduction experience that occurred on June 15, 1991. A retired paralegal, Nadine has uh, also researched areas related to psychology and spiritual development. She's the author of Evolution, Coming to Terms with the ET Presence, and Alien Experiences, 25 Cases of Close Encounters, Close Encounter Never Before Revealed, uh, co-authored by psychotherapist Barbara Lamb. She has also written a children's book, Finding Happiness, A Magical Tale About the Power of Positive Thinking. Nadine appeared in the New Paradigm Films documentary, The Day Before Disclosure, Discovery Channel's Best Evidence, Alien Abduction, and Discovery Health Channel's Alternatives to Healing. She has been a guest on numerous radio shows, a featured featured speaker for MUFON chapters, uh, the Los Angeles Paranormal Society, the UFO uh, UFO Con. Her articles uh, appear regularly in the Journal of Abduction Research, and her website, AlienExperiences.com. So Nadine Lelich, welcome back to Beyond the Paranormal. Hello there. How you doing, Paul and Ben? No, oh, just ducky, uh, thank you. Uh, pretty fair, yeah. So I guess we'll just kind of like <laughs> hop right into it because, you know, we don't like to beat around the bush. So are there really aliens among us, and have you seen any? That's a loaded question. <clears throat> okay. You mentioned in the intro, what is an alien? How do we define that? And I think that's a very interesting place to start. Um, do I think that there are non-human entities present in our third dimension? I'm being very specific. Yes, I do. Um, do I think some of them may be off-planet, actually physical originating uh, off-planet? Yes, some. I also think that uh, some of the aliens may actually be originating in other dimensions that cross over into ours and that they contact us more in an astral way. So yes, physical, some, and uh, otherwise uh, other dimension, I would say. What do we mean by astral? Well, if, if I was to look at, you know, I've had a lot of contact experiences in my lifetime, uh, a large number. And when I look at these contact experiences and try to analyze them uh, individually, what you find out is that you find a smaller portion of those really appear to have uh, physical characteristics to them. Okay, in other words, you have um, you're in a location. Uh, there's physical remains or things are shifted in the physical realm. You have marks on your body, uh, and there's a strong sense that it's actually occurring in the third dimension. Then um, a large portion of it 
happens can happen in altered states. They can happen in the middle of sleeping, where you're sleeping, almost as though you're having a dream that transfers into a lucid dream where appearances of non-human entities are there. There's other ones that appear to be in an astral state where you actually have a sensation that you are leaving your physical body and you can see your physical body being left behind, but your consciousness is traveling elsewhere in some type of astral state. So there's a variety of ways these occur. In my personal experience, I would say that um, perhaps uh, a quarter or a third appear to be physical, um, and they seem to be physical entities. The remainder of them um, I really consider as being a possible um, something happening in another consciousness state, happening in another dimensional state. You know, Ben, I, why don't we move right to a listener question before we get any deeper into this and can't... Okay. Uh, we have, uh, as last time you were on, Nadine, uh, and, and just about every show, we have Peter from Bogota, Colombia, who is a very faithful listener and very good questioner, I think, uh, sends in questions. So, Ben, why don't you oppose, I guess there are three for Nadine... He, also, he does it in threes. He's, uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> when in doubt, be consistent, I suppose. Uh, so Peter's first question is, um, please ask Nadine to confirm uh, she has seen the mantis-type being, uh, if that is, and if that is correct. Uh, is the anatomy and movement of this entity absolutely identical to the earth insect or different in some details? Uh, and do they use uh, chairs of some sort of special design? That intrigues me. Yes. Um, yes. Um, I have, I only have one, uh, let me say first of all, preface. My memories are primarily consciously recalled, and I mean a high percentage, 90, 95%. Um, when it comes to the mantis, I have very strong uh, repeat conscious recollections of interacting with an actual physical mantis being, but only one. I only recall of ever seeing one. And it was involved in um, a training, testing type of environment, sitting at tables. Um, do they look like... I think there's a similarity of the way that their joints are, the way that they move. Now, there's no... there's no. Um, I don't know if they call it mantibles. I don't know what they call it in an insect like a mantis, but the mouth, there's no mouth movement. It's all telepathic. Um, they're very tall. They're very, very skinny segmented. Um, and if you look at a praying mantis, you see how the forearms are. They, they stand on the uh, four legs they stand on and they raise themselves up with the forearms. The forearms are quite similar in what I've seen in this mantis, if that answers your question. Can I, can I give a little background here? Um, before, you know, a lot of people might be listening and say, boy, they're really far out there this week. Well, the fact is that uh, many physicists, including um, those who have been on our show and agree with us, some of whom have very big names, believe this, that in quantum mechanics you've got the idea of the multiverse and very, various versions of our own world and many others. Just about anything that, that can happen uh, that's possible will occur someplace, is occurring someplace or some when or somewhere in the multiverse. So... What Nadine is saying is entirely possible from even from the viewpoint of physics and evolution. Mm. If we have an alternative world where insects were dominant 
they could have developed such intelligence and even technology. It's entirely possible. They're very nimble creatures with limbs and, you know, that, that sort of thing. And if, if there's a language, that, that would be very easily done. People make fun of the idea of reptilian aliens. But it's entirely possible that in a parallel reality, dinosaurs might not have become extinct and they might have developed um, intellectual capabilities beyond, and they're quite intelligent as it was, according to some scientists. What was that short-lived show, Dinotopia? Uh, well, I think there was a miniseries. It was a miniseries, whatever. Yeah. It, 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 kind of like that. that that's, yeah, it's I mean, entirely so, possible that, that exists. So th- these things are way out there, but they're entirely possible from the multiverse point of view. Sorry, sorry to interrupt the questioning, but... Go, go ahead, you know, there's ahead. another thought in regard to that, though. Sure. Um, you've also got to look at genetics. Uh, because it's not just that we're having, you know, you're talking about a multiverse where we're having an entirely different chain of evolutionary movement here, right? Mm-hmm. And where insects instead rise forward. Now, who's to say we're the normal one? Okay. Now, we very possibly have been, um, you know, genetically altered yeah. early on in the evolution, because they know there's some missing pla- there's some missing links in why we genetically moved forward so dramatically at a certain space in in uh, our evolution. So, who's to say that humans and even the humanoid style is is the norm? So there could be, uh, you know, if you're looking at a different species, it could be a, uh, and I like the idea of the multiverse in a way that you've got, you know, it is, it's evolving in a different way, in a different realm, and they cross over. Um, but I mean, if you look at a reptilian, or you look at, say, we're going to talk about an insectoid such as the, the praying mantis, mantis, um, who's to say that they were not genetically engineered at some place in time? Mm-hmm. They may not have even evolve naturally it may be a genetic experience which they talk a lot about the grays being um biological entities that were genetically engineered yeah no no excellent points or biomechanical exactly as, as some some people suggest right. i guess as, as you always say dad it's kind of like you know we're lo- we always look for life as we know it rather we should look for life as we don't know it yeah yeah. Which is, is is a rather poignant point. Has um, to be considered. And I guess kind of go, moving into that, um, we'll move into Peter's second question, which is, uh, in your experience of uh, being inside a craft, uh, did that have any unusual effects on your wristwatch, phone, hair, or nail growth? Um, first of all, there's no wristwatch involved. Um, if you're talking about hair and nail growth, I had, could tell you honestly that I've not monitored that or paid any attention to that. Could it have happened, affected me possibly? Would there be a radiation involved, some other type of energy that impacted on me physiologically? Possibly. Um, in an event like that, um, I'm not somebody who wears a wristwatch, actually. Um, but... Uh, being on a craft, I mean, there's been like the effect on the physical body, for example. I, the, the effects that I've had physically have been marks on my body, triangle puncture wounds, scoop marks, uh, scars that have been there that disappeared. I mean, major scars that disappeared within 24 hours entirely. Uh, that kind of a physical experience. Hmm. Hmm. That actually is, is a... Fascinating point. Uh, last week uh, at a, for our open line show, uh, we had a really interesting listener question, which talked about um, disease being kind of passed back and forth from um, 
you know, whether ETs or, or interdimensional entities or whatever, kind of anything crossing through the membranes of the multiverse, you know, is it possible that diseases could be transferred? And I, I immediately thought of any sort of abduction experience, and I, I was like, you know, you've never, I've never heard anybody talking about disease, but what I have heard about is radiation, um, whether it be radiation poisoning or cancers appearing, anything like that. Now, in, in your experience, what is your knowledge of this realm? I have not personally had any. Now, what you'll hear a lot about in this field is you're going to hear a lot about healings. There are people that believe they have been contacted with uh, very spiritual uh, entities, uh, you know, advanced, uh, and that they have experienced healings. That's not my experience. I have not had any type of medical healing, to my knowledge. Um, I have not had any kind of serious wounding or harm or disease that I know of in that experience. Now, I do believe that physical entities coming here are at risk, certainly, uh, because they're going to be dealing with um, an environment that they're not that's not natural for them. And I do think there, I can recall instances where I believe there's been, you know, limits placed on their ability to be here because of that. And I think a lot of stuff happens on the craft because it protects them as opposed to being landed on the ground dealing with our bacteria and virus situation. Hmm. Well, we have a third question from Peter. We do indeed. And the third question is, uh, there seems to be a difference of opinion among top researchers on the effectiveness of invoking the name of Jesus Christ to stop abductions. According to Dr. David uh, Jacobs, and I believe Daryl Sims as well, there is absolutely no effect. Uh, what have you experienced? Mm-hmm. I do have an experience, actually. I had an experience where there are moments, you know, as this continues throughout your life, um, I think you never get used to it. it it's a little less terrifying over mm. time. And I have a very specific experience that happened. And I was, it appeared that I was on a physical craft and I was being held in a waiting room with another man. And uh, several um, ETs had come into the room, and they were going to take us somewhere. And I remember I had a moment of feeling just extremely terrified for some reason at that particular moment. And there is a lot of fear associated with this. This is not something that's easy in any stretch from your imagination to deal with. Mm. And I remember kind of dropping down to my knees and saying, Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, and starting to say the Lord's Prayer. The response that I got, now again, you know, you're dealing telepathically with these entities. You're not speaking. I was speaking when I was hollering that. The response that I had, and it was from a mantis, the mantis being, was that I saw a diagram in my head. Um, I'm not sure whether or not that, I think I have a picture of that in the book. I'm not sure, the last book. Um where they were trying to explain to me that we were part of, we were all part of this one energy, this one life that we call God, and that God expands as we expand. So did it stop a connection? Not at all. Hmm. No way. It didn't, didn't have any effect whatsoever. The only effect it had was a response in my mind from them trying to tell me how the nature of God really works. Did you have any more information on that? I mean, was 
Did they explain anything about that? I mean, they explained simply that as our consciousness expands individually, God's consciousness also goes outward and expands through us. Interesting. Okay, um, there are some issues too about um, that that don't seem to be addressed a lot by by people who have experience in this field uh, about the forms of ETs or alien beings, regardless of their origin. And uh, how many species or races have been encountered, first of all, by you, and secondly, by people you've written about in your books? Well, uh, some of the things that I put in, I I refrained from including some of my experiences um, in the last book about my own personal experiences, but you might actually find these, uh, with the the, uh, subjects that you study, you might find these very interesting. Um, there has been uh, nine or ten different species that I've experienced. One of the most intriguing ones that would point to some type of interdimensional connection was I was getting ready to uh, go to bed one night, standing upright, fully awake, brushing my teeth. My one dog sitting in the bed at the time, and I was brushing my teeth, and all of a sudden a big ball of light exploded outside of my window, and in a matter of two seconds it was in the room, and then instantly it turned into like a um, like a shaft of light going from through the ceiling to the floor, and it had little blue speckles of light in it, and something stepped out of the light. They were the most unusual-looking beings I'd ever seen. Um, I don't have this in the book because I don't know that this relates to aliens. Uh, you know, in the typical sense of you know of a gray or a tall white, this would be something different. They stepped out, and I kind of joke to myself. I call it a drive-by. It wasn't an abduction. It wasn't anything like that. But this, this light, these light beams, there were three of them, stepped out of this beam. And I dove into bed because I was fully awake when this started. I dove into bed and strangely enough, you know, my dog passed out cold. I dove into bed and I pulled the covers over my head, which was a very strange reaction for somebody who wants to investigate. <laughs> <laughs> very strange. But that was my reaction. And... Um, when I awoke again, and I went out, and when I awoke again, I had a full memory of what they had done, and and so I was obviously conscious to some extent, even though I pulled the covers over my head. They pulled the covers away from me, and what they were curious about was my the joints of my body, the way my wrists, my elbows, my knees moved. That's what they were curious about. It was a very short experience. They went they, and they disappeared. They went into the beam. It was gone. What the heck that was, I don't even know where to classify something like that because it did not feel like they came came from a physical realm. And indeed, I was fully awake when this thing began, which makes it even more interesting. Yeah. What about uh, the agenda or agendas that are involved here? Now, people talk about the alien agenda, but if there are many different species and races, uh, whether they're coming from outer space or from other uh parallel worlds or both um, what how do we even begin to figure out these these agendas um, what if there are conflicting agendas or even warlike conflicts between these I mean, history and culture is full of stories of wars of the gods from ancient times what, what say you on all that I mean does, does, does there a consistency in these agendas or, or, or activities or, or not 
do you think? I think it's no different than what we have here on Earth. We've got yeah. all these different agendas amongst all these That's different cheerful. races on the planet. I know, unfortunately. Yeah. But overall, what I really do believe is that I don't really get a sense of those that I've connected with and had these experiences with. I don't get a sense of them, anyone actively involved on the planet wanting to hurt us. I just don't have that feeling. Oh, I don't. about each other? Um, now, the only thing I have to draw upon on that is that in one of my experiences, and this had to do, and I'm sure you've heard this from other uh, guests before, we, we are shown things on what appears to be like a hologram. We're shown things of destruction of the planet, things collapsing, things happening. In one of those experiences where I was in a room with people, where we were being shown this thing, and again, let's point out the fact that, you know, when I'm describing these kinds of things, if you're not familiar with this, it is going to sound way out. It's like anything. Um, you know, you have to be wary of, of condemnation prior to investigation. Mm. You must be willing to really research and investigate before you come to any, you know, uh, any concrete determination on whether this is way out or not. Things that I accept now and I look at as viable uh, potentials, ten years ago, I wouldn't even look at. So it takes time to really understand. Anyway, um, in this particular experience, they alluded to the fact that there was one other race that they were looking out for. When I'm referring to this experience, this had to do with tall whites, uh, tall grays, and short grays that were involved in this particular experience. And they were suggesting that there was one other volatile race that would like to harm the planet, but they were interceding. They were looking out. Um, other than that, that's the only time I ever heard or saw anything that seemed to be, um, you know, a, a potential threat to humanity. And I think, as far as you know, I'm sure you're well aware to some extent of, the, of how they, um, you know, we're having these UFOs are shutting down nuclear missiles. Mm. Um, and they don't want us out there. They don't want us out there with our toys, our you know, our atomic toys. But other than that, I think it's more that they're curious about our evolution. Uh, some are watching to see, make sure we don't step on their toes, because anything that has to do with nuclear devices is going to impact our solar system. But, um, again, only one other race it was suggested could possibly be a threat. Interesting. We might know who they are. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead, Ben. So, here's here's a question that I um I, I always hear so many different different points of view on on sort of what the the alien agenda is. But one thing that just kind of popped in my head is, do we have an agenda for the aliens in a way? Which is you know which is <laughs> which is to say, do we have a certain narrative that we want to make this fit? I feel I feel as if over time, as sort of our our perspectives have evolved and our our perspectives have changed. You know, it went from oh well, they're just you know Martians from outer space coming to to take old take over the good old U.S. of A. to you know maybe they're these you know interdimensional healers or or whatever blanket you know positive benign statement you want to put on it, or it's like this crazy interdimensional conflict. But do we have a narrative that we're trying to make it fit? Well, 
you know, there's two sides to that. On one side, you're going to say that people are involved with it, people who've had contact experiences, researchers. That's one side of the game. Are we, are we flexible in the, as we evolve in our understanding of this phenomenon? Absolutely. But we're not the people in the power position. That's a whole other side. Mm-hmm. Who's got their finger on the, the red button? It's not the researchers and the people in the forefront of investigating this or experiencing this. The problem here is that is there an agenda? There's a political agenda. That's the problem. And that that the, the, you know, we don't have a choice in that. And their agenda is if it's not of us, they shoot it down. It's not like us. If anything is an imaginary threat. Well, that raises the question that that's existed forever in the UFO field, and that's why don't they land on the White House lawn? Why do they deal with people like ourselves and and not with, with uh, you know, officials with their hands on the button? Well, first of all, they don't they don't need to do anything with us. They're so far advanced. Their technology is so far advanced. You know, it'd be like talking to us talking to an ant, as far as. Uh, technologically speaking, first of all. And they don't want to deal with it. Why should they deal with it, first of all? Now, you're talking about why didn't they land on the White House? Well, you know, what was it, in 1952, whatever, they flew over the White House. Yeah, right, that's right. I mean, there's been... Of times, there's been the uh, the thing that happened in the 40s, the LA uh, event where they were flying and shooting at them over LA. Mm. That was a huge event. So, and as far I'm not somebody who researches the actual physical trace evidence of these things, but there's plenty of powerful researchers out there. And according to my understanding, from what I've read, there's been lots of landings and lots of trace evidence. Okay, you know, so. There you have it. All right. Well, we're going to take our bottom of the hour break with that. And you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's gorgeous Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back with our great guest, Nadine Lalich. So stick with us. The night is alive. Join us and take a walk on the weird side when you tune in to The Kingdom of Nye, hosted by Heather Wade, the finest in late night talk. Listen live free weeknights starting at 9 p.m. Pacific time at thekingdomofnye.com, talkstreamlive.com, and the Paranormal Radio app. Wanna take a ride? And welcome back. It's WOON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM, and you're listening to Behind the Paranormal, our guest today, Nadine Lalich. But before we get back to Nadine, let's take a call from our good friend Susan Spooler and uh, get some updates on the new, the uh, Greater New England UFO Conference that's coming up next weekend. Hi, Susan. Hey, Ben. It's Susan Spooler. How are you? Good to hear from you. And uh, we're, we're a week away from the Greater New England UFO um, conference and film festival, but this year it's a film festival at the Wilton Town Hall Theater in Wilton, New Hampshire. Our website newenglandufo.com and we have uh, we have uh, Friday night, we have uh, two two Bigfoot movies, two UFO movies. On Saturday we have one, two, three, four, five, five Bigfoot movies and and five UFO movies, but Saturday is also a very special day because that's the evening. In the evening, we honor you, Paul Eno, for your 50 years and the paranormal. And we're having a special gala dinner. And if people go to our website, they can acquire 
tickets to that and the event. On uh, Sunday, we're having Bigfoot Sunday. Uh, there's six Bigfoot films. And then on Sunday, you're having your show, Paul, at noontime. And you'll mm-hmm. be enveloped by other by five other big uh, five other UFO movies on that side of the theater. The uh, the theater is from the 1800s. They were vaudeville um, shows played there back years ago, and um, it's just quite an amazing place. It's also haunted. Yeah, well, you couldn't <laughs> so. ask for more, right? Uh, it's unusual in these times to have an in-person event, but Susan is uh, Susan always runs a very well-organized and tight ship, and there's going to be plenty of distancing, and all the yes. proper precautions will be taken. So, uh, and, and thank you for doing that, Susan. I, I'm, I'm excited. Everyone wear masks. Yep, yeah, everyone will be right. wearing masks, etc. Right. So, but we have a lot of pro- we have a lot of surprises uh, in store for everyone that that shows up, and we uh, we hope to have a whole bunch of people. Um, come by and watch a lot of um, classic and cult UFO and Bigfoot films. A lot of them are pretty funny. You know, um, queen, queen of a Queen of Outer Space. Um, we have teenagers from Outer Space, Fire Maidens of Outer Space, black and white films from the fifties. We have um, ones that are more um, current. We're having uh, Fire in the Sky and the UFO incident with Betty and Barney Hill. And the interesting thing on Saturday afternoon prior to your event, uh, uh, Paul, is uh, Woman in the Moon. It's a 1929 black and white classic. And Jeff Rapsis will be playing the piano uh, during that movie like they did back in the old days. (laughs) That just sounds great. Well, Susan, thanks for letting us know, and we'll see you on Friday. Fantastic. Looking forward to seeing you guys. Thanks for taking the call. Okay, very good. Bye-bye. All right. NewEnglandUFO.com. Nadine, that sounds right up your street. Too bad you can't come up for that. <laughs> All right. Sounds great. I wish I could. Okay. Now, we're in the second half hour here, and uh, we, Nadine, uh, very intriguingly, before we came on the air, was saying that uh, she had some notes and some questions for us. So, Nadine, you're okay. the host. <laughs> trade, All right. Trade spots very um, quickly. Don't let it go to your head. I won't. We, it, it was mentioned earlier that, you know, did anything happen when the name of Jesus Christ was invoked, right? That was your uh, question from someone there. And so this is what's kind of interesting now. I, I found your, the, the book, uh, Beyond the Paranormal. You know, you had kindly sent me two copy, two of your books. And in there, there were some things I could draw some parallels to my own personal experiences. And, um, which is interesting because it makes you wonder about, you know, the, the multiverse, multidimensional aspect. And although when I said the prayers, you know, I was describing an experience earlier when I said the prayers, I started to say the Lord's Prayer and I tried to invoke the name of Jesus Christ and there was no response. What is interesting is that there's been other occurrences where I have used the white light uh, phenomenon, uh, and that is where you visualize around yourself a vibrating, higher energy white light, and you invoke it as a sense of protection around yourself. Now, what I have noticed in several of my experiences is that that really does seem to stop them dead in their tracks. It gets their attention. Does it stop an experience of contact? Not necessarily, but it definitely evokes a response in several of the species that I have encountered, whatever they be, okay, 
And I found that very interesting because in your book you were describing about seeing some success in dealing with entities, negative entities, um, allegedly not related to the ET phenomenon, where white light energy, where the person invoked the white light energy, uh, affected uh, them and allow that negative energy to disperse more. The other thing that was interesting that you talked about in that book was you were talking about that one experience where um, the gal and her daughter were living above the store. I found that really interesting and where they were having a tremendous amount of paranormal activity or poltergeist activity and that finally at the very end when you ended up, uh, she had tried a number of things to try to counteract this energy from all the physical distress that it was creating. But then at the end, you had those sessions where, again, you you invoked something very positive, which was you were reading positive things, you were talking about uh, positive uh, experiences, you were laughing, and things that you were doing that impacted and caused that energy to dissipate. I do believe that the experiences that I've had where I've tried that kind of thing have made a difference. For example, I've had an experience where, you know, when these things happen to you, you can, over the, over time, you begin to feel when a contact's going to take place. You can feel as though a craft's overhead. You begin to become very sensitive to the energy in the air because that's another interesting parallel. There's an energy shift, almost like electricity. Sometimes my lights have gone off. Electricity has gone off in the, in the area where I'm at. And so something is taking place on an energy level there prior to these contacts happening. Um, now, what I have been able to do on several occasions is to raise my own emotional state, my, which I believe we're all energy, as we know, and vibration. Raising that state has allowed me to avoid contact, as when you were talking about in that experience with the gal over the store. You brought a different energy into it, and that positive, powerful energy kept them at bay. And I see similarities there. Very interesting. Yeah, that was, um, I always say that that's the worst poltergeist I ever dealt with. And we got rid of it using a joke book, which is right. not, not the usual remedy I would suggest. But in the particular circumstances here, that uh, certainly did the trick. But uh, no, it's true. And it also brings up a point, Nadine, too, that you might want to comment on. That's that um, w- when we are experiencers, of whether it be any of the poltergeists or alien abduction or, or any any of these things we've mentioned, you participate in the experience. You know, we don't just sort of lie there like logs and it, it just happens to us. We uh, we participate in it. We can affect it. We can, as you say, improve it. We can learn from it or we can be hurt by it. But we participate in it. And our, our particular approach is that uh, we're dealing with interworld in some, in most cases anyway, or, or some, uh, interworld contacts here. And, uh, when this entity comes into our world, we are partially in its world, which is why we don't necessarily see it standing right in front of us. For example, in that Bridgeport house in 1974 that we're always talking about, you, you could, you could see sort of translucent shapes and you could feel the physical bodies. But they really weren't clearly in our world, and I think we were partially in theirs when these things were occurring. That's a, that's our thought on that anyway. 
So what? As though it's an overlapping of something. Exactly. Where yes. These two, these two worlds come together. Overwash, now, as we we had to actually invent a term to talk about this. So overwash is the term that we use. Now, I growing up um, when I was growing up, and I don't know if I mentioned this in the last show, but we had an entity in the house, mm, and it was non-threatening. Um, I don't know if I brought this up before, but um, and I wonder if that'd be the same kind of experience. I would not relate to this as an ET at all, mm. but it was present throughout my childhood. And years later, you know, I got into metaphysics probably when I was in my early 30s, and that was when I started stepping out of the normal and starting to really look at the world differently. But um, and this this particular it, it felt. You know, when you walk into a room and you know someone's watching you, looking at you, again, everything breaks down to energy in my mind. And so we pick up vibrations. We pick up shifts in energy, The you know, what's happening in the atmosphere around us. And you're in a room and you feel someone's watching you, feel very strong presence. Mm-hmm. And you turn and look and there is this thing just hovering in the air. And as it's hovering in the air, it, it really is a misty type of a cloud. That's hovering in the air, maybe you know, two feet across, three, four feet tall, a couple of feet up off the ground, and it's just hovering there, slightly moving, hovering there, as though it's watching you. You turn and you look at it, you can see it clearly, and then whew, it just moves, and it moves so fast, it's like a, um, it'd be like a cloud just dissipating, and it's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, and we never had to, we all my family had all seen it. We had seen it together, two of us at a time. We'd seen it independently, and it probably went on for about I don't know, probably about ten years that it went on. L- Linda Godfrey, who was rather incongruously commented on on a ball uh, orb type phenomenon she had seen. Uh, she, Linda, as, as our listeners know, is uh, an expert in the uh, on cryptids and particularly dog like. Uh, cryptids uh, in America and has written a number of books on that and she was uh, investigating uh, one of these in uh, some place in the west I think was, I'm not sure where but she was in a basement and uh, it was a museum a, a local museum and the curator had said come on down everybody uh, it's not everybody but a lot of people see this orb like figure but they see it in different ways some people will see a, a person other people will just see the orb other people will see uh, maybe an animal and uh, Linda saw the orb. So uh, I found that was interesting, too, because people experience the same things in different ways, as you Absolutely. pointed out. Well, Nadine. like Mothman. Look at the Mothman. Oh, my gosh, yeah. My goodness. Yeah. And and uh, there was a lot of different aspects to that phenomenon. Well, particularly, uh, we, we've been interested in, in the positive experiences. Not a lot of people had that. I actually terrifying. haven't heard of the positive ones. Yeah, well, well one particular fellow... Uh, his name is Colvin. He's been on the show. Andrew Colvin been mm. on the show a number of times. Said uh, he and his family lived there and uh, were driving in a car and happened to run into Mothman one night on a dark road. And uh, immediately he became good at math. He became an artist, and he, his Whoa. personality transformed for the better. And he credited Mothman with that. And we've heard other stories of that kind, not wow. from the horse's mouth, as we have from, from Andrew, but. Uh, very, very positive things that have happened that you don't really hear about. So, I mean, there are all sorts of aspects to these things. Sorry to cut you off, Nadine. I've, I've, been, I've been sitting here contemplating and, and switching cameras. I, I, I realized you probably gave the most coherent definition of frequency that I've ever heard on this show. 
And I gotta yeah. give you kudos for that. Thank you. Because <laughs> I have asked the question so many times, and all the answers were just not satisfactory. Because, you know, you'll get to a point where it's like, oh, well, yeah, it's just we're all energy, and then they just kind of stop, and that's it. But kind of moving it moving it past it, because, un, you know, as, as much as it is, um, much as we like to poo-poo empirical reasoning, unfortunately, there is sort of that sensory aspect to the whole sort of phenomena. And, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a kind of really good way of pointing out we do notice shifts in, in you know, not, not just our environment, but in people's behaviors um whether we whether it has something to do with with brain waves you know sort of like body language maybe that gives off different sort of sort of things cuz sound sound waves in any any sort of wave really it it affects the surfaces that it touches and it and it affects everything around it and that makes a ton of sense much more sense than oh well it's just kind of a thing and you do it <laughs> mm-hmm. and so i must Thank you. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I've done. I don't. You know what brain entrainment is uh, with sound and light, and I've been doing that for years and years. And I've gone through a couple of those computer units. And um, you know, in essence, what you can do with the brain is by um, you know by neural beats, you end up encouraging a certain type of brain wave in order to produce the mental effect or emotional effect you're looking for. Mm. So indeed, you know, sound, vibration, light can affect our consciousness in dramatic ways. And you're talking about how different people see different things. According to the functioning of their brain, what are they what are they taking in? You know, we're looking if we you look at a psychic or a medium, something has altered in them in order to allow them to take in information that's around us all the time in sound, light, vibration, but they have the ability, because of shifts that have happened within their brain, um, that they're able to see things maybe we can't see, uh, pick up information. So it's a very individual thing, I believe. You know, As far as my contact in this, the, with the ET phenomenon, um, I've, what is really the thing that has happened if you're talking positive, negative contact with entities, be it ET or any other paranormal, um, we sometimes we get so you know lost in the the shock and the fear of it that we miss some of the good information that happens. With me, I do believe, and I've seen it demonstrated, I've had a marked improvement in my ability to pick up information around me uh, telepathically hmm. and precognitive information. I've had some quite astounding precog dreams that have turned true uh, within 24 to 48 hours. And those things didn't happen before. And I think there is a connection. Plus, when you are consciously, assertively addressing these, and I'm sure you, both of you have experienced it because you're stepping into these realms where you go, um, it's almost like exercise. You build up your ability. You know, you begin to expand a little more, understand a little more, and then you can take in a little more. You know, the brain is set up in such a way that it protects us. It tries to protect and keep us tied in so that we feel safe and secure. But those that venture outward, you know, I think we begin to expand all of that. We begin to take more in. Now, you're going to see things in an environment of poltergeist activity that I may not see because I have not exercised my abilities in that area. You know, um, so I think there is a lot of um, expansion that takes place in working in either of these areas. Mm. Okay, well, as our time is disappearing here, unfortunately, 
Uh, Nadine, tell us about uh, your website, your books, and, and the new book you're working on. Um, well, uh, my website is alienexperiences.com and um, hbpublishing.net. Uh, obviously, anything related to uh, conspiracy and my lab and ET is at alienexperiences.com. I have the two books out. Um, the new one is Evolution, Coming to Terms with the ET Presence, and Alien Experiences uh, has been out for about 10 years. It was co-written with Barbara Lamb. Um, the new one that I'm working on now is fairly unrelated, but it does involve more of a spiritual and paranormal slant. So it encompasses a lot of my other experiences in life um, that really did not seem connected to ET. You know, but um, I think we're it's there's so much material and things that happens when if you live long enough and you're really paying attention, uh, there's a tremendous amount of experiences that we have and you have to really take the time to sort through them so the new book is more leaning towards spiritual and paranormal it, it, it doesn't necessarily have a title right now I'm not sure where I'm going with it but I expect it to be out in the spring very good no that's certainly an interest of mine so in our last few minutes here um, I wanted to bring up about the men, the men in black phenomenon have you experienced it and where do you think it fits in everything we've discussed uh, well, yes, I've had something what I believe may be the men in black, but not in the typical sense. You know, you always see the fedoras and the 1940 outfit when you hear the men in black described. Uh, in my experience, I had uh, one experience that took place during a MUFON meeting when uh, um, uh, a speaker was taking place. It was uh, Katai. Um, was, oh, yeah, Lynn yeah. Katai was speaking, and, um, and it was a pretty freaky experience. And uh, during that time, I observed these two characters all dressed in black, but they were hooded black, sunglasses, identical manner, very bizarre, very bizarre behavior, pasty white, uh, faces and skin covered up, um, never speaking, uh, lurking in the shadows, sitting in the back row of the meeting that was quite full. Everybody in front of them rose in front of them. They fell asleep. I was sitting to the side of them and able to really watch their behavior for almost two and a half hours. It was nothing normal about it. Hmm. Yet no one would approach them or come to them. And when I attempted to leave the meeting, I took a photograph of them from behind. And uh, when I tried to leave, they actually blocked the doorways, one on each side of the doors and I had to go back into the meeting. It was a very, very creepy experience, very scary experience. Um, and uh, it's in itself it's quite a story. I know we have limited time. Yeah. Mm. Do you think other people couldn't see them? Oh no, they saw them. They did. And I drew you know, the thing is when you're having some of these and maybe perhaps you've run into it, when you're having something out of the norm, sometimes, you know, you're dealing with a subject out of the norm and you're having a an an a group event, people come in and sometimes they want to disrupt it, especially in this day and age. And so you would certainly think that somebody I drew it to the attention of three different people that were running that meeting that there was something very strange going on with these two characters. They refused to go over and investigate which made no sense to me at all because they were very odd and very strange. Wow. Um, and in this day and age, you can't take those kind of risks. No. You go up and at least introduce yourself, tell them in to take their hats and their glasses off, something, because you don't know what people are going to do anymore. They flat refused to address it. Yeah. You could see the fear. They were fearful too. Mm-hmm. 
Well, we've been lucky over the years. Uh, I can't remember. Maybe once a minor, you know, uh, interruption at, at one small town library. But other than that, we've been lucky that way, I guess. So disclosure, Nadine. What's your opinion on that? We think it's naive. Uh, what do you say? We are disclosure. I don't think it's going to come from governments. You know, there might be a little little tidbits released here and there. I think if we're looking for anything in in, in a large way in this country, especially, it's I don't see it happening. I don't believe it's ever going to happen. It's not the way they operate. You know, we're working. You know, we've got a we've got a lot of black programs and a and a shadow government happening here. So I think that it's our individual voices. We are disclosure. I like that. Mm. I've never heard anyone put it that way before. A lot, a lot of firsts. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Well, um, the thing with government, having been in the military and seen some of it from you know a lower level, uh, there are so many different agencies, all with their own agendas, uh, you know, all their own turf. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to get in any no. way a, a unified, accurate, or even true. Um, narrative on, on whatever they may know. If, well, if we're even anything. seeing that now with what's happening with the president. We're getting a little of this, a little of that. No one's coming clear with information. Well, that's the thing. That know, there's no common source of knowledge right. or information. So that's, that's I don't just ever the way see it happening. It's been that way for a long time, and it's probably not going to change. It's well, just we the people. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's what it should be, and hopefully it will be. But anyway. I mean, if anything, it's probably just going to be a tool for for propaganda, really, or or well, or, or to misdirect, misdirection. Yes, uh, the disclosure. The disclosure for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about is the idea that the government will come clean on what it knows about UFOs and aliens. You know, so that that's what we're talking about. But in any case, Nadine, thank you for another great discussion, and we'll have you back on soon and keep us posted on the new book. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. I appreciate it. Okay, very good. All right, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Okay, let's take away our announcements there, Ben, if you uh, uh, please hold would so desire. I prepare yeah. myself for the uh, announcements. And all the right. announcements start with the Greater New England UFO Conference uh, Film Festival will take place at the Wilton Town Hall Theater next Friday, and uh, well, Friday through Sunday. That's October 9th, 10th, and 11th uh, because of COVID restrictions. This event will have a limited audience and will feature all kinds of Bigfoot and UFO films, old and new. That's not because of the COVID restrictions. Right. Well, yeah. it's a, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a restriction. You can only play certain structure. Certain structure. You have a you have a blacklist, and that's it. Um, so the, there will be no speakers, uh, no vendor tables. Uh, there will be a private dinner to honor my dad for his fifty years in uh, the paranormal <laughs> field and research. Uh, it was like a hundred. Well, <laughs> Hey, it's the it's the mileage. Is that what it is? Mileage yeah, it's not the years. years; it's the mileage. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Uh, we will broadcast the show live from this venue or from that venue on Sunday with our special guest Nigel Watson, British UFO researcher. And we do encourage people to send in questions for that, and uh, we'll take questions from the audience, uh, such as it may be, and <clears throat> excuse me, also uh, emailed questions and that sort of thing. <clears throat> excuse me. Bear in mind that Nigel Watson is a UFO historian, pretty much, and that in itself is a fascinating topic. And uh, yeah, when we, we had him on, that was great. That was we that did. was really interesting stuff. Well, we're doing a Nadine with him because we had him on, and we just could not finish the discussion. It was just you know, too much, not too enough much. time. So uh, we're going to um, uh, do that uh, with the audience uh, in New Hampshire next week. Radio. So anyway, the following week, 
uh, this is going to be the 17th and 18th, the Western Connecticut UFO Conference will take place via Zoom on Saturday and Sunday of, uh, as I say, the 17th and 18th. This is a free annual event sponsored by the Danbury, Connecticut Public Library. Along with ourselves, speakers will include our own Shane Searway and uh, Mark D'Antonio, along with Linda Zimmerman, Mike Panicello of Connecticut MUFON, and more. Uh, on Sunday, we will simulcast our show from here in the studio uh, at WON with special guest Dr. Bill Burns of the UFO Hunters TV series, New York Times bestselling author and publisher of UFO Magazine. Uh, now, um, that's going to be an interesting te- technological feat, but we'll, we'll, I'm sure it'll be pulled off without too much difficulty. But again, get your questions in for that. And it's not often you get to talk to uh, Bill Burns, so um, mm. uh, look for the information at the uh, Danbury, Connecticut Library website, which I don't have here, but it's just do a search, and uh, the information will be there, and you can register for the Zoom call. And Indeed. they're looking forward to having people from all over the world. And I should point out that this was the last conference at which we saw the great Rosemary Ellen Guiley before yes. she translated. Yes, yes. And uh, I remember that last year we had a, an empty chair in a, her honor in the speaker's panel, mm. so uh, a lot of love there. And she was a, a guest co-host of this show, too. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So additionally, uh, we have word that the New England Parafest uh, will take place on April 10th and 11th, that's uh, 2021, in Kittery, Maine. Uh, that will be, uh, th- there will be a live broadcast of this show with a panel of the speakers on Sunday, the 11th, and more information will be forthcoming as the date approaches. And the COVID being COVID, we're hoping for the best with that as well. It's all the way out in April, yeah. but uh, it's approaching rapidly. Yeah. Uh, check out our books. Uh, Nadine was referring to Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, book Ben, uh, ben and I wrote together, uh, published 2016. Uh, those are all available on Amazon and also BehindTheParanormal.com, uh, our show website, and you can uh, access there. If you buy them from that site, we'll autograph them for you if that's of any value to you <laughs> and there's no extra charge or anything, but uh, we'll be happy to do that. <laughs> Um, and again, you can find out more about the show at that site, our many cases over the years, our public appearances, uh, such as they are this year, mm. and how to book us, along with some of our uh, almost, n- well, pro- at this point, 900 recorded shows from our 12-plus years on the air, Jeez. including our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. And all our past shows back to late 2009 are available on major podcast platforms. Uh, that includes YouTube, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Uh, the Paranormal Radio app, Spotify, and all sorts of lovely places like that. Uh, if you have the ability to give us a uh, rating of some sort, that would be lovely. That way we can kind of, you know, get, know that we're getting a positive response and, and, and whatnot. And even if it's not a positive response, we, we yeah. can, we'll, oh, do, no. we'll do the best we, we can. That's how we learn. That's how we Indeed. learn. Indeed. So soon we plan to have all of the shows back to 2008 uploaded to all of those platforms. Well, what's funny is the most the most popular show of all time on any of these was one we ran in 2013 on zombies. Mm. You know, of all these 900 shows, that's the most popular one. It's funny. That was interesting. It was more like the psychology of why people wanted a zombie apocalypse. Exactly. Is, you know, not exactly uh, talking about the, them existing. Although no, I talked about <laughs> my experiences in Haiti. I hope it wasn't a, voodoo- a letdown. No, it wasn't. Well, a voodoo priest explained to me how it was done. Mm. Anyway... Uh, there are links to several charities we've adopted on the show. We encourage you to please uh, uh, help USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Haiti's Orphans, Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles, and several others uh, whose organizers we know, Sisterhood of Ground Zero, and uh, these are people we know and, and things are, are as they should be and the money goes where it's supposed to be. So... Um, 
All right, Ben, what do we have uh, coming up uh, for next week? So next week, uh, that would be October 11th. She's already plowing through October. Uh, we'll broadcast from the Greater New England UFO Conference and Film Festival with a live audience and special guest, Nigel Watson, British UFO uh, author and historian. I'll point out once more, the website there is uh, newenglandufo.com. And, of course, if you're, if you're listening to the recording of the show, uh, the, the uh, marvelous organizer of that, Susan Spooler, called in at our bottom of the hour break, and you, you can just uh, you can go back and listen to that because uh, she had all the information. Indeed. Uh, Bigfoot and uh, UFO Film Festival. Mm-hmm. So uh, we leave you today with a quote from the 13th century Persian philosopher and theologian Rumi, don't grieve. Anything you lose comes round in another form. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. We shall see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben 